0: And welcome to this week's episode of Say What You Mean. I'm Jeff, and I'm Jake. How are you, dude? I'm. Oh, I'm pretty good. You got a nice little sweater
1: on. Oh, thanks. It's, I like that. Yeah, I got it for
0: my birthday. Di- we'll get to your birthday. Okay, sorry. Um, that's cool. Who got you that? Um, my friend Matt. Nice pick, Matt. I like that. I just ordered a sweater, not zip up, over the head, mm-hmm. gray, Washington State. Oh, um, because this weekend i'm going to a game
1: that's right you're i heard, you've kind of dropped it a little bit yeah. that you're going to go to the wsu osu game Yeah. which at the beginning of the season i did not think that that in any way was going to um was going it was my computer yeah i, I was wondering what it. was beeping <laughs> i didn't know i didn't know that facebook messages <laughs> had that Ching! that little yeah ding anyway sorry yeah, about that no worries um yeah, I didn't think that that game was going to be like meaningful, really, mm-hmm. in any way. Is but it meaningful? Yeah, I both, have no idea. <laughs> so if so, Oregon State somehow has rattled off a bunch of wins. They now sit is f- basically the same record that Washington State does. Oh, both have five wins. They're okay. both like five and four. Um, Oregon State, if they win, mm-hmm. they beat Washington State. They're bowl eligible. For the uh, first time in years in Washington State because of all because of them tripping up against UCLA, yeah. losing against uh, Cal, Arizona State, yeah. just like the bottom, what should have been the bottom dwellers. It should have been easy wins for Washington State right. because they've tripped up against all those because their defense, defense can't stop a nosebleed. If they lose to Oregon State, they're probably not going to be bowl eligible because their last game of the year is against UW. And the same mm. thing can be said for Oregon State because if Oregon State loses to Washington State, they're probably not going to beat Oregon. Right. So it's like, e- whichever team loses is not going to be able to go to a bowl. Right. right. And for Oregon State, that that they're going to have a ton of play for because they haven't been to a bowl in for forever. Sure. And who knows where Ooh. Washington State's heads at? So. If they
0: lose, dude, that'd be hilarious. Because <laughs> I'm going with Jesse,
1: who's an OSU fan. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, part of me is like, man, because I know a lot of Beaver fans that have mm-hmm. just been struggling, and they still stick with their team. So, right. like, the Jets fan in me, like, Stop is it. like, I'm like, oh, I kind of, like, I'm not rooting for them, right. but if they win, I'm not going to be overly mad, right? but it, it, will, it will be an embarrassing loss, because Washington State is more talented and better than most of these teams they've been losing yeah. to, and, and I don't know what it is, why this is a theme for this year in my sports fandom, mm-hmm. but... Three of my major four teams are all way underperforming. Yeah, which is really frustrating.
0: You should start rooting for different teams.
1: Like the Jets lost to the winless Miami Dolphins.
0: Yeah, I saw that. I saw that.
1: And then the next day, the Blazers lost to the G League Warriors. Mm -hmm. Washington State blew a forty-seven to seventeen lead, forty-nine to seventeen lead against UCLA, who was winless at that point.
0: Yeah. We'll see.
1: We'll see. It'll be fun, I it, think. Yeah.
0: Freaking long drive, though.
1: Are you just going with K- Jess Cody or...
0: No, Jesse.
1: Jesse. <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> no, Dimitri's going. Oh, really? Yeah, I text all the dudes and I was like, hey, we're going and then nobody texts back. So, I was like, Jesse texts back and he's like, I'll go. And then I was like, Dimitri, you want to go? He's like, sure. So, we'll see. He doesn't care at all about football. He's mm-hmm. not invested in WSU or OSU in any way. So, he's just going to go um where jesse and i are rooting for the opposite teams
1: gotcha no that'll that'll be a fun because martin stadium is from what i've heard is a just an awesome experience oh yeah i just
0: want to go there and be there Mm -hmm. also we're staying in idaho which i've never been to idaho so that'll be is that lewiston no it's what is it moscow okay yeah Yeah. it's right across the border. right across there there. yeah so got a little airbnb little house so just the three of us are going to stay there. And it was like this little, she's like, um, mark if it's for a business trip. And I was like, I'm going to mark it for a business trip <laughs> <laughs> well, because I'm going to take some of the pod gear and like record like a road trip podcast mm-hmm. with those two. Um, so that's business. Yeah. Technically it could be business. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Uh, so I got a new hoodie cause it's gonna be freaking cold dude. Yeah. And it's probably going to be Rainy. It's going to kind of be miserable, I'm sure, but I hope not. I hope it's nice because I want to walk the campus a little bit and at mm-hmm. least check it out.
1: Well, both teams should put on a show because neither team has good secondary No, – doesn't have good pass defense in the secondary. So right. both teams are going to be able to throw the ball. Both
0: teams play hard. Hopefully.
1: Ho- yeah, let's hope so. <gasps>
0: Dude, your birthday. My birthday. Your birthday. Yeah, I'm birthday. as of
1: today, I'm hundred and uh, 363 days away from 30. You're so young. It's a little sombering.
0: Dude, I'm 33.
1: Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) How did you feel when you first turned 30?
0: I don't feel 30. The lady at work, I was like, how old do you think I am? And she's like, I don't know, like 26. And I was like, what? And she's like, I was like, okay, I'll take that. And then she's like, did I tell you this already? Mm -mm. (laughs) This is terrible. (laughs) She's like, how old do you think I am? And I was like, uh, how old are you? And she's like, I'm 38. And I was like, 38? I swear to God, I thought she was like 45, dude.
1: Really? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. got that to look forward to. And she's like,
0: yeah, how old did you think I was? And I said, 39?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's the best response. <laughs>
0: Oh, gosh. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, she, she thought I was younger, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, 30 wasn't that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. I feel like 30 isn't, well, I don't know, like back in the day, like a 50-year-old dad in, like in the 50s, mm-hmm. that dude was rough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, he lived a hard life. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You look at a 50-year-old now, and they look like 30-year-olds. Mm-hmm. So... i don't know i've kind of taken some time to change my ways yeah yeah i i stopped drinking energy drinks that's good yeah i only have a little like 12 ounce home brewed coffee every day okay i started this monday i've hated every day this week (laughs) um and yeah just trying to be more aware of just my words and my actions and my body and just being more trying to be more healthy Hmm. yeah that's good i didn't know this but i lost 16 pounds since like may or something wow i just like got on the scale and i was like wait and then i pulled up my like kaiser report from Mm -hmm. my doctor and it showed my weight like 16 like uh in like six eight months ago and there was like 16 pounds lost and i was like what and I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm just going to keep trying to get that number going. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe that's why I'm like 33, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to die soon. <laughs> so maybe that's what you have to look forward to.
1: Yeah, I don't know. There's is, a song by Tim McGraw called My Next 30 Years. Yeah. And that, that started, all that stuff is starting to like... Like, I never even thought about like, oh, th- being 30 and then thinking about the next 30. That's like it's true. It's just really... Kind of weird. It's it's just a weird feeling. I didn't even think about it last night until I was at the dog park with Kylie and um, a guy I graduated with, mm-hmm. but was really good friends with Kylie. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a um, a dog that they got it he got at the same time as tucker and they kind of grown up together anyway they're at at the dog park last night and he started giving me shit about being 30 he turns 30 in a couple months but it wasn't even something i really thought about Mm -hmm. or even like contemplated what that means or any sort of if there's any even even any sort of significance attached to it right and then all but then he started like making like old man jokes and stuff like that and then it just got me he got me thinking and now i'm like yeah i don't know maybe that is
0: it is like I started I, st- I don't want to feel old so mm-hmm. I'm starting to like try to change that so I don't feel like oh god. Yeah. I've been playing basketball every week, every Sunday. So, I'm doing little things here and there. Eating I literally eat the same thing every day, but it's just like chicken, rice and broccoli. That's it. But if it's making me lose weight, screw it. YOLO. Yeah. So, just just Maybe that's maybe that's it. Is you're just you start realizing your impending doom.
1: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so.
0: <laughs> did you have a good birthday? Did you have a party to cry at?
1: Um, I did have a good birthday. Yeah, I uh, I missed I missed work. I I was scheduled like a stupid just nine to three shift, and I was just like, hey, can I just have tomorrow off? Mm-hmm. Like I was in, I was just I wasn't managing. I was just working. In an apartment, and then and I was like, I was I'm gonna go duck hunting, and it's my birthday, and they're like, yeah, we, we've got it covered. So oh, that's cool. It that was cool. I Went out and hunted, hunted in the morning, um, till about noon, and then mm. went home, played some Call of Duty, mm. went to lunch with Kylie, and then my parents came over. Where'd you go to lunch? Uh, just Baja Fresh. It's just right there by mm. by her work. What'd you get? I always get the two taco combo mm-hmm. with chicken um the americana style that okay. comes with cheese and then hot and then they have hot sauce on it i don't get tomato of I'm course not, i'm not a tomato guy <laughs> um heard. and then I, I then i didn't like i'm it's really cool that they do this because it comes with rice and beans but i say no rice so they just give me double i say no beans so they give me double double rice, rice. yeah because their rice mm-hmm. there is actually pretty good and then i love their i love their one salsa that they have there and they give you free chips so Dude, you raged dude you got a little wild on your birthday <laughs> <laughs> a, little, a little wild yeah i got free chips it was That's awesome. awesome no it, and then um uh well my room my roommate keenan he's a longtime friend of mine right um but we hardly ever see each other because like our um our schedules like don't, like, don't hardly mm-hmm. overlap but he he was he was around and my friend matt and his girlfriend came over mm-hmm. um i didn't even know they were going to come over but they They just showed up so that was cool And my par- cool. my parents were there and um, so it was. It was actually just a really nice low key watch the Blazer game. It was mm. nice, um, nice watching having people there to kind of just laugh at the fact that how bad they look. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's because they're both because Keenan and Matt are mm. both really big Blazer fans right. too, and right. they both know basketball, and so it's it's fun to just sit back and be like, man, there's no offense being ran here yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, so good. Sounds like a good day. Yeah, it was a really good day.
0: Uh, I think there's something to watching it with somebody else at least like, you know, misery loves company. Mm-hmm. When I'm sitting there watching by myself, I I am this is like first time in a long time I've just turned a game off. Like I'm good. Like this is not going to get any better right now.
1: What what at what point did you turn the Pelicans game off?
0: Oh gosh. I don't think I watched the Pelicans game. Oh, you didn't. Yeah. There was one Oh, the Houston game I turned oh. off. Yeah, I stopped
1: yeah. watching about half of the third.
0: But I was getting frustrated with the refs on Houston. Mm-hmm. It's like no blood, no foul for Dame or the Blazers. And every shot Houston shoots is continuation. Yeah. it. I was getting pissed, dude. Mm-hmm.
1: I hate that. Team. Well, I just default to the fact that the NBA refs are trash. Yeah, um, I should know that. It's their incons... It's it's I was listening to the fifth quarter show, yeah. which is Chad doing, which comes on after the Blazer game. And he made a really good point. And he's like, He's like, I don't even get mad at him anymore, just because I've accepted the fact that they're they're trash. And two, um, I think the mo- the major reason why everybody gets frustrated with him, especially as Portland fans, is their inconsistencies. Yeah, it's that no matter like night for night, even like you could have, um, you could have one crew one night, and then a couple weeks later, you get the same crew, and they call things completely differently. Right, and it's just like you don't even know what you're getting crew for crew, mm-hmm. let alone night to night. Yeah, so
0: I started just tweeting at NBA referees.
1: They have Twitter?
0: They have like an NBA referee Twitter.
1: Oh, that's a mistake. <laughs> I it, I've never actually massive, gone and read what people tweeted them. I bet there's some them. massive toxicity on there.
0: I just text, I just messaged them. Uh, there was a clip of Bazemore bodying up on Harden, Harden hooking his arm and then pulling up to mm-hmm. shoot it and then calling the foul on Bazemore. Yeah. And it was like in a GIF form and I just tweeted at NBA ref and it just said, the fuck? <laughs> Did
1: anybody like or share it? or I don't know. Oh, Okay. It's just annoying. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? I know. I watched. I, w- I, w- I was watching that at work and I saw that. I know exactly which play you're, you're talking about. He drives in the middle of the paint. and yeah. yeah. And they call him a base more. just throws his hands up. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, yeah. He purposefully wrapped up my arm. He wasn't even trying to make the shot. He just was going specifically for and, the foul. And who,
0: who doesn't know that Harden does that?
1: They all do it. They, I mean, they all the, know he does it. And the rest yeah. have to know.
0: Mm-hmm. But nope. Oh,
1: they stupid. still fall for it.
0: Anyways. I got you something.
1: Oh, it's just something small. You didn't have that's to get me. It's not a big deal. You really don't have that's to It's not get a any. big deal. It's okay. not a big deal. You really didn't have to get me anything.
0: I, uh, I was just walking around this store, and I saw it, and I was like, this is going to sound dirty without knowing what it is. Okay. <laughs> but I was like, damn, that's huge. And I was like, Jake would love that. It's a little bit of homework. Okay. You'll probably never get through it.
1: <gasps> <laughs> what is that? Truman by David McCullough. Mm-hmm. He's a good author. It's a big-ass book, dude. It's a huge book. Is it an autobiography?
0: I don't know. I just grabbed it.
1: <laughs> Son of the Middle Border. Yeah, because he's from Missouri.
0: I'm assuming it's... Everything you'd love to know. It's a big ass book, dude. It's the tr- it's literally the Truman Bible.
1: It sure looks like it. <laughs> wow, this That's, is awesome, man. Thank you so uh, yeah, much. Yeah, of course.
0: I figured you could just when you're not reading it, set it up next to your bobblehead.
1: Oh yeah, no, definitely. I, I he's just such a fascinating. He he's just such a fascinating like person in American mm-hmm. history. Like to have to have like, he was not he was brought in by FDR basically mm-hmm. only as like a political. The oh I the price on there Don't look Okay Did you look? No Okay <laughs> I didn't look on the back The um, Just to be thrust in Like he was brought in Basically I think he was like FDR's third or third Vice president And FDR never valued His vice presidents; They were just figureheads to him He really consolidated power Around him mm-hmm. Around himself And So Truman was really Just a political calculation But um, But the The uh, but then, you know, when FDR passed away in office and then all of a sudden Truman is forced into office at the end of the, the, towards the end of World War II and having to make, you know, massive decisions on reconstruction of Europe, on dropping the atomic bomb, all of that. It's and it's just absolutely insane. So, um, yeah, just, ama- I think he's just amazing figurehead, amazing person, yeah. amazing politician, uh, really under, I think really underrated in our, um,
0: yeah, it it's the big ass biography.
1: And his, and honestly his vision, it was, he was, a, he was a lot more pragmatic in terms of what, uh, the, what the world was going to look like after world war, after world war two, mm-hmm. than FDR, FDR was really like, um, you know, there's going to be where have all these one, like the, his vision of the United Nations was a lot more like was a lot more grandiose. And I think mm-hmm. it, I'm trying to think of this, the right word for it, but he's, he was just much more idealistic right. than, than, uh, Truman was, mm-hmm. but. Truman still understanding the value of foreign policy and statecraft mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and understanding what the, the the you know what were the world's threats at the time. And um, I just I don't know I, I love him as a as a study as a mm-hmm. person to study mm-hmm. and kind of emulate in politics. So. For sure. Yeah. Thank you so much yeah, for that book. Course. I'm ex- I'm excited to to flip through this. So,
0: <clears throat> I so Saturday I got up early and my grandma loves reading books, mm-hmm. so I took her down to Powell's <clears throat> and we just looked around at Powell's for a while and listen. I've read books and I do read books and for school we've read books, but I've honestly never really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Never really enjoyed it. Like I've read books that I really liked. But it's the it's the chore of reading that I've never really enjoyed. Yeah. But in this 33 year old man self-discovery phase that I'm (laughs) going through, I was like, you know what? I'm going to finish this Astoria book that I bought forever ago. Mm -hmm. And I started it and I just was like, I hate reading. I don't want to read it. So I started reading it and at night, not being on my phone, everybody's on their telephones all the time. So I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna be on my phone anymore. I'm just gonna get in bed and just read until I start getting tired. The only thing is is I'm super into this book now reading about <laughs> these the overland party to just to go and settle in Astoria, the oversea party that uh John Astor John Jacob Astor sent. He sent two parties at the same time to go overland and around overseas to go to Astoria to settle there. <laughs> Dude, the overland shit? is so crazy like I would way rather do the overseas stuff because these guys are like trying to navigate through unchartered territory mm-hmm. and what it's just crazy eating dogs and horses and drinking their own piss <laughs> it's insane it's crazy that is and insane. having no idea where to go because they have the Lewis and Clark trail mm-hmm. that they were they were following but then they were like I think there's gonna be a better way they were looking for the big river. The Great River. Oh, yeah. which didn't exist. Well, they were looking for the Columbia. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So
1: But like the, like a Columbia like a river that went completely th- through the country. Right, but which... they didn't know
0: where it started or where the you know, the what is it called? Watershed, you okay. know, everything was heading to there. So they like get on the Snake River at one point, but then dude, have you ever seen like the valleys that in the in the in the canyons mm-hmm. that the Snake River
1: goes through? Yeah. Insane.
0: And they were trying to like hike through that. Yeah. In, it was crazy. So I've been super. Now I'm, I've, I think I'm really into reading. Cool. <laughs> so once I hit this one and finish this one, I'm just already like looking forward to the next one. And I don't know. I don't know what it is about. You know, I usually read nonfiction for 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 fun. Or sorry, I usually read fiction for fun. <laughs> um, well, A- Ender's Game is one of my favorites. Uh, Ready Player One. I read most recent nonfiction it i read last two years ago or whatever but i don't know there's something reading about non-fiction that i i'm really enjoying so check out this book i got when i was at palace okay it is called you'll like you'll like this i got this and i was like just from the title i was like that sounds so interesting doesn't it jen and she goes hell no and i said you know what the more you're not into it, the more I know I'll be into it. <laughs> it's called Mexico between Hitler and Roosevelt. Mexican foreign relations in the age of Lazaro Cardenas, hmm. nineteen thirty four to nineteen forty. It's
1: when they were there was a lot of Yeah, foreign like Nazi foreign policy that reached out to middle to middle Latin and South America, America. Yeah. So I was like,
0: that sounds tight. I mean, it's super nerdy and it's not like it's very different than from, like, the Astoria, which is, like, a narrative book. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. I think it'll be fun to to learn about that part. I have a lot of Mexican history books that I, I like to, like, look through and read through. So, anyways, that's what I got you. Happy birthday. Well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that a lot. Start reading more because you're going to be 33 before you know it. I know. <laughs> and then you're going to be like, oh, no, I should read more. <laughs> <laughs> um... That's all I have. What's up?
1: Um. Well, we have touched on. Caught stuff. up. We're we, all we're caught all up. Caught up. So, um, you, I got I got two articles. We mm-hmm. can talk about mm-hmm. both or just one. But which one do would you like to start with? Would you like to ta- start with senior Trump official and em, uh, embellished resume? Um, yes. Had face on fake time uh, time cover. Yes. Or um, let's start there. Okay. So. There's Mind you,
0: okay. I worked late last night, so I didn't get to read these. Okay. I'm just letting the audience know, so when they're like, hey, "This guy sounds like an idiot," that's why, because I didn't read them. Okay. I kind of tried to glance over them. So
1: this is a story that was picked up by a lot of different. This isn't just like a think piece. This is more of just like reporting on what okay. happened. Um, a lot of different places. A lot of different uh, publications picked up on this, but <clears throat> with all the stuff that's going on with the impeachment inquiry, kind of like it's definitely taken a back seat. Which, but I think it. it Touches on a larger problem, okay. Um, with this administration, and why number, regardless of what happens with impeachment, um, stuff like this is the main reason why I've always been critical of this of this administration mm-hmm. because of its its constant just degradation of our of our civil service, our foreign service, um, and the institutions that keep our government running. So, um, uh, what this article is is I guess so it says a senior Trump administration official has embellished her resume with misleading claims about her professional background even creating a fake time magazine cover with her face on it raising questions about her qualifications to hold a top position at the State Department so this woman's name is uh, Mina Chang and she was uh, a political appointee to the State Department I mean she didn't have to pass all like the state exams and all that stuff like that she was a political appointee
0: that's what you gotta do
1: that's what I do need to do (laughs) just get appointed (laughs) Uh, the NBC uh, NBC News investigation found that Mina Chang, the deputy assistant secretary in the State Department's Bureau of Conflict and Stability Operations, has inflated her educational achievements and exaggerated the scope of her nonprofit work. Um, so, she was appointed here because she has a friend that's really good friends with, my, with Mike Pompeo, the secretary of state. Mm-hmm. And on her resume she wrote that she was a harvard alumni mm-hmm. which she wasn't she didn't ha- harvard when harvard wasn't um she, she took a weekend class at harvard but she didn't graduate with it she didn't graduate what? with a degree she didn't even take a full <laughs> semester there she said she worked for a non-profit uh-huh. that was that's active in 40 countries and there's really no like evidence Record. of her yeah. working for that nonprofit or that nonprofit really even having that kind of like Reach. scope. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then she posted a fake, then like, as I mentioned earlier, she posted her face on the time magazine cover talking about her work with like, at the UN agency, mm-hmm. um, that did drone, like, uh, use drones for humanitarian efforts, which that is something that's happening in the UN. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, she's not attached to it in any way like she has no like she didn't work for that like that yeah. part of the UN she didn't have anything to do with any of that but she gets this appointment and then she was going to be given um a top spot in the US in, in US aid which oh is the ma- the biggest distributor of US um foreign aid around the world she was to be giving a top spot but then the problem is is that that position is um that that pr- that position is has to be confirmed by Congress, so when she goes in front of co- a Congress committee to get vetted, yeah. they start poking through all of this stuff, and they're like, none of this makes any sense. And they asked her for more like more background information, like her her Harvard transcripts. They started asking for all the stuff Whoa. that she didn't present, and then all of a sudden, then boom, all then she was she she pulls back her name from consideration that raised some red flags. And then they started digging in deep into her and they found like all of this. Now she's resigned, but she's saying she's resigned more as a victim and to raise awareness of like media attacks, than resigning over and bear being. Dude, this,
0: this woman is a genius, dude. (laughs) Holy shit. I mean, besides getting caught. Wow. I was talking with someone recently. I don't remember who maybe at work or something but just about i guarantee i could create a profile uh, on like a far right extremist and just get millions of followers yeah i bet could. i could do it
1: you could because you're one you're really really good at <laughs> marketing and like creating <laughs> stuff that people want to follow yeah yeah being really creative and stuff mm-hmm. like that and you, you and you know the talking points yeah you know, like it's so easy it's to so hit it's so easy They hit the notes that they want to hear yeah right and you could do it on the left too but I probably know. could
0: I think I don't know why I think the left would be a little harder I think it's because there's more more of those social issues that I kind of resonate with maybe where on the other side it's like I disagree a lot maybe with some of the sentiment, sentiment on, the, on the far right mm-hmm not that I don't disagree with the far left, but I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like it would just be it's so, if Donald Trump can do it, I could totally do it. I should just do it and then create a profile and be like, hey guys, I'm starting a new podcast called Say What You Mean. Just like after like a year of doing it mm-hmm. and just see how many listens we get. Boom, right. At the a beginning.
1: ton. We get a ton and then they would all get really mad. Yeah, they would. <laughs> so like, in so Mina Chang in yeah. her post, at, which wow. is with, which is in the conflict um, bureau. Mm -hmm. So her whole job is to, um, help prevent conflicts from erupting in politically unstable countries. Right. Um, which is an incredibly important role. And this person is not anywhere close to qualified to holding that position. Um, she earns a six figure salary. What? Uh, Yeah. In a working as a, as a deputy director to a department that has a $6 million budget. And then was getting was was picked by Pompeo to take over U.S. like essentially take over U.S. aid.
0: Whoa. I,
1: I met a couple people at, at American that work for U.S. aid. Yeah. And um, like I messaged them after I found this out and yeah. they were like they're like, yeah, um, I was just asking them about about it. And they, were, they just thought, you know, they thought it was crazy. They did not really have any takes on it. But hmm. um,
0: I wonder if some of those students are probably more qualified than this.
1: Oh, I'm sure. The one, especially the one that I messaged, yeah. was is definitely <laughs> one of the smartest, one of the smartest dudes that I've met at wow,
0: school. Wow, dude.
1: Anyway, that's awesome. I don't. Um. Yeah, I don't know how. How does this? I would say how does this happen? But we know how it happens. Yeah. He. We were talking about this at work, and I was just like, you know, there. This isn't. They were all people were acting shocked at like the people. There's like, well, not. We, just yeah. me and two other guys, right? And we talk about this a lot of stuff. And all three of us are Republicans, but for kind of different reasons. But we okay. all just like the president because right. he's well for the, all the different reasons we've listed off. Mm-hmm. Um, and. It's just like they're like, they, I don't know. How does this happen? I'm like, it's easy how it happens. Right. He doesn't value our bureaucracies. He doesn't no. value our institutions. Process. So all he's done is he wants to consolidate power around him and a select few people. Mm-hmm. So all of the rest of the bureaucracies, all that stuff can all go to hell. Yeah. He doesn't care about who is in charge of it because all all it matters is that if you're, one, loyal, and two, you're willing to just do what he tells you to do. Right. So it doesn't matter if someone who is woefully unqualified and a liar is in these top positions because ultimately all the decisions are made from him anyway. So right. none of that matter. None of it actually matters. The day-to-day stuff doesn't matter because ultimately the big decisions are being made solely by him mm-hmm. and everything else is just, can, can, can fall apart for right, all, for all right. he cares. Um, because there is, there's been multiple reports of loyalty exams on our foreign service officers, mm-hmm. people going through, um, there was, he, Pompeo hired had a political appointee. Her name was the her YouTube name was the uh, Vino Vixen. Like all she did was review, um, like she was like a wine taster and review different wines. Mm-hmm. But because she had like such a strong multi like social media presence, she was appointed to the to the State Department. But then was used in the role of um, determining a loyalty test to the president. So going through all of oh, our going through our foreign service and civil service God. officers at the at the State Department. And determining and rating them on a scale of one to ten on loyalty to Trump,
0: to Trump,
1: mm-hmm. not to the State Department, not to their jobs, but to Trump. And now there's, um, dude, that the, so sound, con- that's so so terrifying. Congress is Congress has opened and like is opened an investigation into it, asking for this stuff, but Pompeo slow slow rolling it, not sending over Everything. any of these documents because yeah. that's just what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been there's one former Foreign service officer who's complaining saying that she was targeted because she was an Obama era appointee but it wasn't was an appointee she was just went through the Foreign Service officer test while she was while Obama was president and if you don't understand anything about the Foreign Service and the Civil service you're not who you go in under doesn't mean that you politically align right, with that right. particular person, and that shouldn't matter anyway. Because our foreign service—if you had any idea what it takes to get to that level—and then the people I've met who are in the foreign service, those people—they're—they're they're not. I don't know. They're not. They're not politically motivated. Right. The only reason why you go into that line of work is because you love what you do and you want to better not only the country but better the world. Right. And I'm sure there are people who are using who use it for their own political advantages, but for the most part, the foreign service. At least, I don't know, but in the fact that he's trying to use it to politicize it, yeah, put it put people in place who are just who are lackeys and loyal to an administration. That that part of it, the loyalty part of it, is scary, dude. Mm-hmm. But yeah, look look it up. I'm I'm not making this up. Look up State Department Vinyl Vixen, mm-hmm. and then look up Mina Chang. Um, and what's going on at our State Department under Mike Pompeo? It is just it's how a does Not feel
0: authoritarian.
1: Well, it definitely does. But I don't know how you don't how someone could not who i don't know how at this point with everything that's been that's that's out yeah you cannot come to that conclusion using the state using the state department to try to broker political gains with ukraine and who knows where else who else has had has had that kind of stuff going yeah. on it's a whole impeachment inquiry like the state department is at the forefront of that And if you want to see like yes who our foreign service are listen to bill taylor Listen to career diplomats, mm-hmm. and they are composing themselves so well on the mm-hmm. hill, and they're just—they're—it—it uh, it, it makes me. If there's one silver lining that come, has come out of this, mm-hmm. is you realize that the people that are in our bureaucracies, they're—they're they're the ones that are. They really are. We do have so much, um, so many good people in good positions, and as much as we get mad about whatever administration is in, it's our civil service that keeps this country running. And, and thank God we have people like Bill Taylor that are, mm-hmm. you know, that are there.
0: It's just scary. The top down consolidated power at the top, their ability to just get rid of those people, though. Mm-hmm. Those or, civil servants who are trying to do right by the country. And like you said, the world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Have you been watching the hearings at all?
1: A little bit, a little bit here and yeah. there. Um, I've been trying to keep up with it. Yeah. it there's just a lot. I saw Sondland's yesterday. Yeah.
0: I've been, you know, I don't work till like noon, so every morning I've kind of been getting up and just watching it, mm-hmm. just having it on even if I'm like working on homework, I'm I have it on. <clears throat> I can't help but think about like as somebody who's studied history like the you know, how quickly we look over processes when we're studying history or events and I and I'm not liking this to McCarthyism, but I'm using McCarthyism as an example. But just those hearings and those and those and just the whole process of targeting people in the government and all throughout Hollywood during McCarthyism. You know, you learn about it and you might see some clips from it, and you're like, "Oh, okay, here's something that happened." And I've kind of said this before mm-hmm. in and in, in other episodes, but now every day waking up. Watching an hour or two, which is just a sample of that that day's hearings, it kind of puts in perspective all of the things that you you I've learned about in that in that mm-hmm. undergrad program that I might have just been like, oh okay, yeah, there were some hearings. No, there were hearings like long, drawn out, just like really trying to get to the point of something. Yeah, and you and I'm watching this and I'm like dude this is wild like this is history right now mm-hmm. at one point in the future it'll be researched and, and people will read through the transcripts of these hearings and watch clips of these hearings and and print out the the timeline and live
1: tweets from the president who is under the impeachment isn't that crazy it's insane i think about like how far how much things have things have changed right just that. I at
0: least hope in the future there's historians, man.
1: <laughs> I'm sure that I, there will be. This is all will just, there? This, will you know, this there? Is, this is a cycle. There's this is a cycle. There's been ebbs and flows in de- in democracies throughout. <sighs> it's scary, dude. Throughout the modern era.
0: I know. I know.
1: This this socialism, this nationalism will subside. Now the 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 problem is is like what will cause it to subside history has shown most of that so most of the time is mass devastation <laughs> yeah, through warfare. Yes. Um, so yeah, I think that all of this will eventually calm down, but how many, at human, what cost? At, at, at what cost? Yeah. Um, so yeah. And yes. with the, and with the, we haven't gone through a period of decline and major, like in terms of democratic regimes of the major, like the major players on the world stage. Since the end of World War II, mm-hmm. so now now nuclear weapons are in play. So obviously, yeah. like that adds a little bit of like, what if? Yeah, like a little bit more than 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 maybe like in World War One or like going through World War Two prior to the you know the invention right. of the the atomic bomb. Did but, you see? Did you see? Sorry, this is no, a little ahead. off topic. No, did you fine. see
0: uh, X Men Apocalypse? No. Oh, okay. Well, Apocalypse is the villain in it. Mm -hmm. And he thinks that humans are like subservient to him. And at one point he launches all the nukes at once. And everyone's like, Oh my gosh, who's doing this? Who's doing, they don't know who's launching the nukes. And then he just launches them into space. And then the world has no more nukes anymore. Hmm. And uh, he's not there for good reasons and good things. Apocalypse. But for a second, I just imagine like what that would look like a world without him.
1: That's a fascinating question because there's a lot of political scientists who think that nuclear nuclear weapons have kept us out of war Mm -hmm. and it's the 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 thought of of um it's the thought of uh of you know mutually sure destruction that keeps Mm -hmm. people from um wanting to attack each other because you know even if you win you still lose yeah because even like they always have that. The loser will always have that in the back pocket of a nuke, right? Like yeah. you, you could take out 99% of the United States, but if we still hold one nuke, we can retaliate yeah with that one nuke and wipe out your country uh. or wipe out a massive proportion of your country. It's something that a co- like the costs associated mm-hmm. with using nuclear weapons are so high that I think humans just psychologically can't get themselves to, to do it. For sure. And... Um, it gets but it also points to um, it also gets me thinking if we're talking about trying to tie popular culture to yeah. these broader themes in, in kind of in just in thought processes is, is the end of watchmen right Like you had this oh, cold course. this cold war between Russia and China and Russia and the United States have been building 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 and the only way to really get that to alleviate was the use of nuclear weapons against the United States but what did that what did that do in the in the, in the movie is, mm-hmm. is it, it forced the two sides to actually come together right?
0: Which makes me think, dude. This is—I'm sure you've thought about this, but we you always talk about the Leviathan or the overarching governor. Mm-hmm. And is that nuclear weapons?
1: There's, yeah, I th- I think um, in anarch in anarchy, uh, Kenneth Waltz who's one of the um, fathers of neorealist thought and in, uh, in international relations theory. Mm-hmm. Basically, makes that essentially makes that argument right. that, um, Is that nuclear weapons keep us from falling into anarchic behavior right
0: that's insane
1: mm-hmm. anybody's interested in reading that it's called war and neorealist theory by kenneth waltz <laughs> <laughs> you can find it on and you can find the pdf <laughs> online just by googling it is it an article it's a key p yeah it's an it's an academic oh, okay. journal article it's written in the 1970s that sounds kind of interesting um, i think i've even sent it to you I don't nobody's ever I don't, send it to me again. Okay, I will. It's yeah. it's long.
0: Dude, I'm a reader now. But it Hello? talks about <laughs>
1: but but not only does it talk about like nuclear weapons, but it also talks about it's he he's basically underlying his balance of power theory, which mm-hmm. is that a world with that's multipolar, so a lot of different nations with relatively the same amount of capabilities in in, in power is more unstable than a bipolar world. Right. That when you have two mm-hmm instead of having multiple powers, you have only two and therefore other States can bandwagon along with those other two. And they, those, those two kind of act as Leviathans within their own spheres of influence. Right. And it's, um, the enemy is easily defined. Mm -hmm. So there's not entangled alliance, uh, you know, uh, alliances Mm -hmm. that everybody's kind of like, they, everybody under the United States knows the United States is a top dog. Everybody under the Soviet union knows the Soviet union is a top dog. And there's, and actually you can avoid war better that way. Mm -hmm. And he uses, um, the, the case study of Egypt, <clears throat> excuse me, when France, in the Suez Canal crisis in the 1950s, mm-hmm. when France and um, when the leader of Egypt was going to nationalize the Suez Canal and close it off to, um, for shipping and um, the, Britain and France didn't want that to happen. So they, they dropped paratroopers in. They're going to they're going to open reopen up the Suez Canal mm-hmm. and Egypt was aligned with the Soviet Union at the time and the United States fearing that that could escalate Cold War tensions um, Eisenhower t- basically told, um, they d- told England and France back out and they both listened. Like Eisenhower used America's position mm-hmm. to tell former world powers right. what they couldn't and couldn't do right. on the international stage, which is insane. But he points to the, 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 um, the structure of the bipolar world as mm-hmm. being able to do that. So hmm nuclear weapons and combined with bipolar bipolarity mm-hmm. um, creates, he says it creates the most stable international environment. Right. Um, but we're in a unipolar world right now. Right. And what does that mean for hegemonic transition? We've talked about that. Um, sorry, I'm getting really long winded into that. I'm sorry.
0: I love that stuff. So I thought I was hearing. Buzz so
1: yeah. N- war and neorealist theory, Kenneth Waltz,
0: Kenneth Waltz. Okay. I'm going to read it. I'm trying to read more. But now now that I want to read, I have so much that I want to read. But one thing at a time, I'll hammer through Astoria. I'm about halfway through, almost done. And then we'll move to the next things and the next things and the next thing. And then I'll be the smartest man alive. <laughs> but no, that's another thing. Sorry, real quick on my book infat- infatuation is like, mm-hmm. you know, I told, I told you about Jojo Rabbit and how amazing that movie, uh, how amazing of a movie I felt it was. It's just refreshing. It's not the same shit, regurgitated garbage all that we see all the time in movies. And, you know, I was talking with my grandma at the bookstore and she's like, they're remaking Dune. And Mm -hmm. Dune is one of her favorite books of all time. And she liked the movie back in the day. But she's like, why are they remaking a movie that's already been made from a book? Why don't they make like the prequel or the second one? And we just got into this discussion of originality. And like you walk through pals. There is so there are so many authors. There are so many books Mm -hmm. of original stories. Yeah. But instead, for film and as a culture, we just want to keep seeing the same themes and ideas over and over again. I don't know. It's weird. Like, Ender's Game is such a good book, and they destroyed the movie, even like the undertones and ideas of that book, to make it more Hollywood. Well, it's, the same, and, yeah, it's the same thing with Harry
1: Potter. It is. It
0: is. It absolutely is. But I just there's so much out there that they could take from. But it's like they have to consider, like, is this going to sell? Are people going to see this? Mm-hmm. Is this worth putting money in? Was it a bestseller? Was it not a bestseller? Like, there's so many books out there that weren't bestsellers yeah. but are great stories.
1: Yeah. What does it say about, like, humanity as a whole that I think all of us would – if you were to ask anybody on the street, like, would do you prefer – um, recycled, um, recycled themes. Yes. Or do you like originality? And most people are going to say, "Well, I like originality." Right. But then, when it comes pushed, comes a shove, you're not going to go see something that you're not already comfortable with, or something like it's like a story you, you don't know how it's perfect. Gonna example:
0: end. Are you going to go see Jojo Rabbit, or are you going to go see Terminator?
1: You're going to see Terminator
0: every time. Yeah. Every
1: time. Or people complain about... I mean, it's the same thing in sports. People complain about, "Oh, we like." why is it always the Yankees? Why is it always the Patriots? But then if it was two teams that you other than like your own personal team, right. you're not going to, you want to see the, the best play, right? Like this happens right. all this time in the World Series. People say like, oh, I want, I don't want the Red Sox again. I don't want the Yankees again. But then yeah. when it's when it's um, Astros Cardinals or yeah, something, yeah. nobody, the, the ratings suck. Yeah. So what all you people complaining, saying you want new original stuff, you want new faces, you want new stuff. But then when it comes to it, you, you, you don't show up.
0: It was like with the... I I was joking in the NBA Finals, like, can you imagine, like, David Stern trying to, like... Bear through a Warriors Raptors finals, right? <laughs> yeah, there's no way it would happen. Mm-hmm. He would never allow it. He would never allow <laughs> no, it. Right. He
1: would never allow it. That it, guy. That guy. That guy tinkered with shit so he's a much. Piece of crap. He dude. was a huge piece of crap.
0: Um, but it's just like that's a great point as far as like giving people that option. They're always going to choose originality. But when push comes to shove, they want to see Titans go at it. Yeah. Stupid. All right. Tell me about your other article.
1: So the other article, this is more of a think piece, but it really got me thinking because there was a Democratic debate last night, which I have told myself I'm not watching any more of. Since um, when?
0: Last night? Did you watch last no, night? No, I didn't
1: watch last night. Okay. No, I, I made I good... I heard it was a mess. I made good on my promise because all it is is a fantasy land. Right. These people stupid. are. These people are talking about policies that they think they can just... Un, they, they're acting like they can just unilaterally do everything that they, right. they're saying they want to do, which is annoying. I, I watched the first three or four... And I got enough out of it. I figured out where their worldviews are at, right. how they think about governance. That's all I need to know. Yeah. And when the debates get down to three or four towards the end, and it comes time for primary voting, then I'll then I'll okay. I'll, I'll worry about it again. But at right. this point, we're not even to Iowa yet, and this this most recent de- debate is pointless. Can I bring something up? Yeah.
0: Real quick, one thought I had was we because you're talking about getting being, getting to Iowa and like moving forward in this process of primaries. Mm-hmm. What's going on with the Republican Party? What do you mean? I mean, who's? I haven't heard anybody saying like, "I'm going to run" or "I'm not." I'm well, it's because Trump. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So is everybody just backing Trump?
1: Yeah, that's usually how it goes. The incumbent. Holy shit! Like nobody ran against Obama when in 2008. I mean, in 2012 uh, and 2016. I mean, yeah. Is it, no. In 2012, nobody yeah. ran against him in 2012. Yeah, and um, that's that's normal. Most of the time the parties, right. which are the gatekeepers, I just feel like they're not they're not, gonna, they're not going to they're not going to run against they're not going to run a primary against incumbent because that's generally political suicide. Okay, because incumbents historically are incredibly to knock off no matter how unpopular they are. Obama was not popular in 2011. Right, going in it would really looked like national polls really showed that no Romney had a legit shot at beating mm-hmm. President Obama, which is crazy to think about now, mm-hmm. but. As as unpopular as as Obama won, mm-hmm. people are talking about the familiarity thing. People are familiar with the with the yeah, thing that they yeah. know. So it's incredibly difficult to to unseat an incumbent. Think about Jamie Herrera Butler. How many Republicans were if you were to poll today? Republicans in in Clark County that are Trump supporters. This yeah. is a Trump supporting county, like mm-hmm. um just by voters. Um, it's a pl- it's a uh, Ballotpedia ranks. Uh, this district as a plus four district for Republicans, so it yeah. means it pulls four percent higher than the national average in terms of skewing to the Republicans. Mm-hmm. Pretty heavy Republican district. If you were to ask people what they thought of Jamie Herrera Butler, Republicans really they would say, "Well, you know, I, I don't. She doesn't support the president enough. I don't like her on this. I don't like mm-hmm. her on that. Whatever. She's not that particular. She's it's not she's that particularly popular, but." She doesn't. Know, she she is the face that everybody knows, right? right. She's the incumbent, and it's mm. incredibly hard to unseat incumbents, right?
0: Right. I know that. It's just, I don't know, man. It just feels so dirty. Just his whole administration, his whole his whole presidency, and I I just feel like maybe it's because I'm one of my best friends is a Republican, and he doesn't you know identify or or or, or affiliate with his his mentality and process and ideas. So I'm just like, how the fuck is there no other Republican like standing up and saying but like you said, it would be political suicide, especially at this time.
1: The party you gotta remember the parties are, are private institutions. Yeah. And ultimately they're going to do what's they're gonna do what's best for the party. The party heads the party heads, disgusting, the, the, party heads dude. Are, the party heads I mean the Democrats are doing it know, the Democrats are doing it too. And they're not, going, they're not going they're not going to run they're not going to they're just they're not going to run a, a primary against the president unless and impe- unless it looks like impeachment's going to come down right unless right. it looks like he's going to be removed from office they're yeah. not going to run right a, a primary against him yeah
0: okay sorry get to your article <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a good it's a great segue because yeah. it's we're talking about parties that's what this um yeah. this, this this article talks about and it's um written in the atlantic which is um, I say this all the time. It's one of my absolute favorite publications. Um, and it's, it's, just it's titled too much democracy is bad for democracy. And I have, I have some quibbles with, with the ultimate argument okay. that he's trying to make. Cause he's making it sound like everything was hunky dory prior to the, 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 the parties relinquishing some of their gatekeeping powers. Um, which it wasn't like there were some major issues and you can point to different like different presidential primary races mm-hmm. throughout our like early part of our history that would make you be like, man, like we needed to get away from that or modify it in a way. And right. the other times you're thinking like, okay, well, I think his argument just has a lot of recency bias in okay. it. Anyway, I should get into it. Uh, sure. So Americans, um, so this, this is his opening paragraph. Americans who tuned in for the first democratic presidential debates this summer held a spectacle that would, it would have stuck earlier generations as ludicrous. A self help guru, a tech executive, both of them unqualified and implausible as national candidates, shared the platform with governors, senators, and a former vice president. Excluded from the proceedings, meanwhile, were the popular Democratic governor of a reliably Republican state and a congressman who is also a decorated former Marine. If the range of participants seemed odd, it's because party has decided because the party has decided to let small donors and opinion polls to determine who deserves the precious national exposure of the debate stage. Those who are particular met- those particular metrics by which to make to make such an important decision, especially given recent history, had the Democrats seen something they liked in the 2016 Republican primary, which is something I brought up a lot. Like, why are you trying to the 2016 yeah, Republican I'm primary was a there. fucking mess. Yeah. Why? And, and the Democrats are following, and they're following the same. They're following the same mistakes as if they think they can somehow rectify it. it like, hey, that
0: worked. Let's do that. It
1: didn't work. It was <laughs> – the GOP got hijacked by Trump. Trump wasn't supposed to win, dude. He was pulling out 1%, and the Republican Party gave him a platform. Yeah. And that's that's ultimately what this guy – what he's trying – the argument he's trying to make is, like, mm-hmm. when you you give yourself – you're allowing the, – the, the parties are allowing themselves to be hijacked by – pop by essentially Populous. by populists. Yes. By giving these people st- – Stage time mm-hmm. in a forum that doesn't force you to actually give policy specifics. It's all a fantasy land, and who can oh, come up? Yeah. Who can come up with the best messaging? Not who can actually implement their policies the best. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why you see Warren constantly every single week. That's, that's hyperbole, but multiple times she's revised her grand Medicare for All plan. Mm-hmm. And that's not because I think she per- particularly believes it, but because she keeps getting hammered on on the debate stage. So in order to give herself a sellable message, she has to adjust. She has to. Jeez. She wants. She wants to be the wonk, but then she also. Oh, no yeah, but she's she, going but she wants to sure. know that she needs to <sighs> deliver this message and in in um have this. I don't know if I check. Boxes. I don't I don't know. It's it's just annoying. Um, the Democrats in twenty sixteen faced their own insurgency by a candidate who was not by any meaningful standard a Democrat. And yet after the election, the Democrats changed the rules to reduce the power of the party establishment by limiting the role of superdelegates who had been free to support the candidate of their choosing at the party convention and whose ranks had been filled by elected officials and party leaders. Mm-hmm. Then, as the twenty twenty race began, the party deferred to the measures of the popular sentiment to determine who should make the cut for the for the debates. All by ensuring runs by public publicity hungry outsiders. I think that's incredibly. I think that's a really incredibly important point Mm -hmm. because after he he goes on to point out about in nineteen seventy two, the Democratic parties and Republican parties significantly changed how their primaries were done. Right, and now with the and we talked about this a lot on To the Republic. With a uh, Democrat, I think it was a Democratic norms mm-hmm. um, episode. But ultimately, the Democratic Party did not relinquish its its power as much as the Republican did. Party did in nineteen seventy two. The superdelegates still outweigh mm-hmm. um, a, an average delegate in a primary. So when they go to the convention to nominate the person for then to be the nominee for the for that party right. in that coming election the Democratic um, the Party, the superdelegates, which are party members, still have a lot more influence on what, on who's going to come out of that process. Whereas the Republican Party completely did away with that in 1972, and, and um, delegates are bound to vote for how their state voted for. Mm-hmm. So in this book that I read, How Democracies Die, they talk a lot about the gatekeepers, which are the political parties. Right, right. And, and in um, actually how... Um, William Harding ended up being the Republican nominee for president, not just because he received any votes at the um, at the Republican National Convention. He was just the one that the party insiders decided was the most electable. Right, they went through four right. rounds of voting at that convention, and at the end of it, the guy who took fourth place consistently mm-hmm. was the one that ended up winning because mm. all because of the delegates, the way the delegates were set up. And, they could vote freely. That right. was the only one that the all the all the delegates could agree on was the least worst. Oh. So if you so think about that in today's right. context, right? You're sitting there and you're a primary voter, you're a Republican voter, sitting in any state, and you voted for the you voted for this guy in this primary, and they go to this convention. All of a sudden, some dude who is sitting at distant fourth, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, their party's telling you, "This is this this is your candidate." Right. You're not going to be happy about that, right? Aren't? And I think that's what that what this argument what this. That's a sentiment I believe that this art this article misses. Okay. Is that he makes it seem almost like it was too... Like the old system was really, really good and almost mm-hmm. kind of without flaws. Right. And then now we've just completely abandoned all of our gate... The parties have abandoned their gatekeeping, mm-hmm. which essentially means they kind of have a... They have power over the process of choosing... Right. Who gets, who gets in and who is left out. Right. Um. So I don't know. I, I was just thinking about... What are we? Would we be completely okay with not having any gatekeepers? Mm-hmm. What would that look like? Or should we have a more structured gatekeepers? Because now you're looking at Andrew, like potentially an Andrew Yang coming out of nowhere, Tulsi Gabbard, Trump. Mm-hmm. So we we see now recently what that can look like if the gatekeepers advocate or relinquish some of their duties. Mm-hmm. You 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 see what we can get. So I don't I don't know where the happy like mm-hmm. median is. Mm-hmm. What are you do you have I I don't know. I'm kind of struggling with this. Yeah, I I just
0: always, I always I always worry about gatekeeping and who who So so naturally, you know, this is interesting. I always worry about gatekeeping and like there shouldn't be any anyone restricting any choice or idea. But then I always have <laughs> my Republican friend telling me how important tradition is and how important (laughs) the you know all of those things that are in place are, and then I realize you know there's a reason for these things, and and it it does slow a process or it does at least create almost even with me a a hesitancy to go hold on maybe I'm being too rash like let's Mm -hmm. just stop and think about it for a minute, and I I I, I think I agree that there's this difficult. Like, balance. Like, how much voice do you give? Because that could lead to populism. Or how much do you put, like, a filter there to kind of, okay, we understand what you're saying, but we're also kind of being the decision makers that we were elected to be?
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's <laughs> just. I, there was there is no answer, there right? No because answer, right? our founders couldn't even come up with it. Right. Because it's it's a it's the it's a classic debate between the federalists and the anti federalists. Yeah, yeah. How much do you trust the the popular yes, masses absolutely. in how much do you think that the popular masses need some guiding from from the elites? Right, right. And they couldn't even really come to a really good comp they they came to a compromise right but you could argue is that a great compromise is that compromise has been shifted and changed over time and they didn't even want parties like i think that was one of the major things that even our like all if there was one thing our founders during this like the the election coming up with how our elections were going to be done right could agree on was that they didn't want parties but yet somehow we ended up with Parties. parties yeah um and a lot of that had to do with actually thomas jefferson going against his word he essentially created the first party with the democratic republican party mm-hmm. um he didn't mean i don't think he he didn't i don't think he believed i think he thought for the good of like he believed so firmly in his ideology being the right ideology that he kind of went against his word right in his belief in his beliefs on not allowing parties into the political process of the united of, of the of the election process mm-hmm. that he saw that as a tool to. To make sure his ideology overcame the Federalists, right? Um, and but you can kind of see how I, I think he was just mis, ultimately misguided, and there's so many unintended consequences that yeah. came with it. Yeah. Even though you could say Thomas Jefferson was one of the greatest minds in in our country's history, regardless of the Sally Hemings stuff, he was. I mean, personally, he wasn't a very good right. guy, but right. ideologically, he really set the foundation for for our country. Yeah. Flawed, I mean, all of, all of our founders were flawed men. All of us right. are flawed people. But For sure. Um, but it, it's, I mean, it's interesting. Here's, uh, this is a really good quote. It's like Abraham, so this is a quote from the, from the original Atlantic Card- yeah. article. It says Abraham Lincoln did not win his party's nomination because he ran a good ground game in New Hampshire. Rather, Republican elders saw, him and saw, saw in him a candidate who could unite rival factions within the party and defeat the Democratic nominee in the general election. Mm-hmm. Today's system amounts to a radical experiment to direct democracy, one without precedent, even in america's own political history so basically saying like our primaries are not only are they unique in our history they're unique in the context of the world
0: for sure what worries me is just um uh money money in politics yeah um influence by corporations or pharmaceutical companies or whatever it may be especially in this area you know maybe not so much you didn't have to worry so much about that back then but i think about so if we're going to allow the gatekeepers to to make the decisions who's influencing those decisions is it the people or is it money or is it uh i don't know a company or something yeah, for sure so that's that's what I think about now. I think we're in an interesting time where we're trying to navigate through, um, I don't know, just how we plan or how we want all of this to work. Um, I don't know. That's my thought.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that's a good thought. I, I think what you just said is definitely a concern when you talk about having too much elite power and gatekeeping is right. like who, you know, where's the influence coming from for the decision makers? Mm-hmm. Um Is it the will, you know, is it, like you said, is the will of the people and, but is the will of the people to be trusted? Right. Like, right. When we're electing people like Donald Trump, like,
0: would you trust the will of the people or the trust of Amazon?
1: I mean, I think there's an, in- there's an in between like, yeah, there Ooh, is a, okay. I think, our, I think our country for the <laughs> most part has ridden that line for sure like found that like found the medium between corporate interests and the interests of the of the like of the ma- like whatever right. is like the aggregate the aggregate beliefs of right. all of the masses and all the different factions that are in the United States I think the United, I think somehow like our democracy has been able to for the most part navigate that nasty world right um I don't know it it's just it, it's really I don't it's really it's it's hard because yeah. At one, at one point, you could say like, I don't know, like it's the Democrats are definitely like they're sensitive to it because uh, the Democratic Party, especially they're they're very sensitive to it. And you can see and I and, 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 I mean, I hate to toot my own horn, but I, I called this happening. I knew they were going to yeah. be overly sensitive to the plight of you the of Bernie Sanders supporters and they're going to do everything they can to not look like they mm-hmm. um they are what the Bernie Sanders supporters were saying that they were It was like this elitist group that was gatekeeping and they're not going to allow the the like our voices to be right. heard when in actuality really the, the fault lies with a system that had been in place for decades mm-hmm. so it wasn't like in, in Bernie knew the rules of the game yeah. before he got in he Bernie um, Bernie did not run as a, did not announce himself as running as a democrat in the democratic primary until it was already too late and the right. delegates had already been distributed. Mm-hmm. You in order to win the democratic de- nomination, you have to appease superdelegates. Superdelegates are members of the party. They're like elect, they're elected um, members of house and of uh, state houses and state senates. Mm-hmm. They're generally going to skew more towards people they know that are ideologically more like them, more establishment Democrats. When you're an outsider trying to run as an independent in a Democratic primary, you're already you're you're limiting your effect, how for effective sure. you can be. Now he is running as a Democrat. There's maybe more of a chance for him to do that. But mm-hmm. to sit there and point at the process and see, like, oh, look at you, like you guys are a bunch of elitists, wasn't necessarily even wasn't really that true to begin mm-hmm. with. Like it wasn't set up to screw Bernie Sanders. It, right. was, it was set up to usher in. More moderate candidates who right. they th- who you know, like the corp. It's the corporate tested. Like this is like the middle. This is what they say is the middle ground. You okay. see this in all of. You kind of see this in all of aspects of our life. The homogenization of of um of music, right? right? Like right. bringing everything to what they think can appeal to the masses. I think
0: we're coming up to a theme <laughs> right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Interesting.
1: So why why is it? Why are why what psychologically is in the minds of all of of Americans? Mm-hmm. That we want to, even though we might agree with a Bernie Sanders, but ultimately we're like, well, we'll just go, everybody kind of wants to go, wants to go to the middle. Right. It's that, it's, I don't think it's the corporations telling it. I think it's the corporations identifying that, that oh, psychological need in humans. That's a great in Maybe point. in Americans within our culture. Right. But for some reason we all, at the end of the day, regardless of what our, regardless of what our, um, um. Uh, our political beliefs, our state of political beliefs mm-hmm. are like what we state are. Ultimately right. we all kind of end up back in the center. Right. If, even if you look at like the, there was a really good, um, uh, data set that I, I ran across in some research that I was doing for school. And it basically chop plotted um, on a coordinate plane, ideologically. As a, what? Like chart plotted, not chart plotted. Sorry. Pl- it plotted on a you coordinate
0: chop plotted.
1: No, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> it's, Put on a chart and okay. plotted on a chart. Sorry. Yes. I'm talking really fast. My mouth's kind of dry. There's and, water. Uh, I've right. I, I drank it all. Oh, sorry. The uh, so <laughs> I have ec- so that economic uh, beliefs on the on the x-axis and on the y-axis is like social. Yeah. And um, like, would you believe in like more uh, government intrusion on social issues? Mm-hmm. More government intrusion, like so, and basically all. Regardless of the rhetoric, even Bernie Sanders ended up in this, like on this, in the same half of the same quadrant mm-hmm. on a coordinate plane. Yeah. So ultimately, even like what their state of rhetoric is on the public, they all end up governing around this same. Absolutely. With little min, with little variation. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's funny. It's just, it's, it's interesting to me that, that we all think we're so, you can, you can look at that and see a lot That's of different, a great you, can, point. you can take correlations and you can take, different conclusions from that. But I think mm-hmm. one of the things I'm, I'm taking is that ultimately we're one, we're not all that different. Right. And two, um, we all kind of, regardless, like in, in, in Paul, uh, our presidents do this too, right? Obama was going to, you know, end all of these wars. He yes. was going to, he was going to limit Americans, military presence abroad. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Ultimately when he got an office and, and this happens all the time is that the, the office of the presidency generally has a calming effect On on people. And I think I think a lot of it has to do with. I think we even voters know that ultimately we know what can work and we know what's safe. And I think that the middle ground is seen as safe. Mm -hmm. And regardless of how you do you believe in maybe more, ra- more maybe have more radical beliefs, but ultimately, when you you're given that power, and I think voters, even in a, like in our democracy, even though yeah. we might say we don't feel like we have power, right. it's still like an important for sure. It's still an important thing, and I think people do. Most people do take it seriously and yeah. feel like it is they have power over this process, and mm-hmm. ultimately, they want to see they it they want to err on the safe side. Right. And I think that that's why most of our presidents, regardless of this current one, have always tried to be always end up playing it more safe right. than regard other than what you know, which is way different than how a lot of them campaign. For sure. So why do why do we want to hear radical Yes. but we want to see moderate. In action. In action. Yeah. It's really strange.
0: That is weird. You should write a paper on that, dude. <laughs> that would be interesting. All right. I gotta get out of here. Yeah, you gotta work. I have one more so story for you real quick. Okay. It has to do with my work. Alright. So my driver comes to me the other day and he's like man i think i'm gonna bring up i think this is jeff bringing in counterculture
1: okay (laughs) okay so
0: my this driver comes up to me and he's like oh my he got sent over to drive in a different area than he usually drives Mm -hmm. and he's like hey why did you guys send me over here in delta park area and we're like why not he's like I'm going to kill a homeless person. I'm accidentally going to run into one. And I was like, what do you mean? What happened? He's like, dude, they're like zombies walking all over that. I was like, you know, my buddy tells me it's like the Wild West out there. And he goes, you'll never believe it, dude. I pull in. You know what? I, I, I don't uh, Fisherman's is going to have something on their hands if something doesn't happen. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, I pull up to make a delivery to Fisherman's. Never had a problem. Don't have a problem with Fisherman's or anyone that works there. But as I'm pulling up to their dock in the back, there's literally a pile of leaves to the dock. high, And two homeless people crawl out from the leaves because I guess they were sleeping in them to like stay warm. And I'm trying to make a delivery, and as my truck pulls up, they, like, climb out and they look at me. If they didn't move, I would have killed them. And I was like, are you serious? And he goes, yeah. And I was like, well, my buddy works there, and he's, like, go, oh, you know, telling him all mm-hmm. about the security guard. He goes, what time do they start? Because they got people sleeping in leaves. They're going to die.
1: They started at 11, but, uh, yeah, I, wow, dude, it's insane. Uh, (laughs) It's really insane. Not that I
0: didn't believe you, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously I do, but like now my driver's out there making deliveries and he's just like, there's people hiding in bushes and, and leaves and sleeping Mm -hmm. in leaves. And he's like, if they didn't get, he goes, I really had to stop and think for a minute. Like, Holy crap. If they had not got up when they heard my truck, Mm -hmm. they would have died.
1: Yeah it's the, 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 the walk it, it's it's sad because ultimately it is sad these are these are human beings yes and i have to constantly remind myself that because yes. you're always told like i get all the old people going into the store and they're talking about how oh we need to like burn the homeless camps and like kick them out of here i'm like at the end of the day dude they gotta go somewhere right because ultimately they're they're humans yes they're americans yes and I don't know, like
0: mental health, mental, drug addiction. There's a lot
1: of reasons why they're there, and there's just, so just, many factors that could play into that. Exactly, but dude, it's like some of them are like it's like the walk, it's like the Walking Dead. It is. They don't have any any emotion Awaren- or awareness or of awa- their
0: surroundings. Or- there
1: was I was trying to get turn right to take I five north in Delta Park, yeah, and there was this. It was it's dark. There's mm-hmm. no light. There's no light right on the crosswalk that cuts across the on ramp. Yeah, and. I watched this car start to in front of me start to turn, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes this dude wearing complete black on a bike, riding the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Almost gets hit by this car turning right. Yeah, and it wouldn't have been the car's fault, right. but you're not. I mean, at that point, you just killed you still hit you, someone. You killed somebody that's going to affect you. Yeah, and this guy didn't flinch. Nothing. Just kept riding in a straight line. Didn't try to get out of the way. Nothing. Yeah. Just this thousand-yard stare. Just and just kept riding off into the night it's just like that's honestly like that's what we deal with yeah He uh daily basis. it got
0: brought up because one he almost crushed those people in the leaves but also like he was like dude you because he went to the same high school than me mm-hmm. but he was a few years older and he's like hey did you know this guy and he was like closer to my age he's like riding between our grains i was like you know what i think i remember that guy he goes i just saw him down there on delta park like homeless and like strung out And it's like there's so many people from my high school who like got into heroin. So many, really, so many, dude. So, so my mom worked for um a detox center for like a long time. Sure, and she couldn't tell. She could never tell me who, but she's like, man, like I saw someone you went to school with today. Man, I saw one of your friends today. Man, just all the time. Really, and I was like, dang. So then I'd reach out to my friends, like, yo. Who went to detox and they're like, oh, it was this person or oh, it was that person or oh. And it was always the same people just getting, getting clean, going back on heroin, getting clean, going back on heroin. And it's just like, it's, we talk about like how crazy it is and how zombie like it is, but, and there are those attitudes of like, ship them off, kill them all, burn them all, whatever they may be, let that driver run them over in the leaves. But they are people. And these are people, sometimes people I grew up with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they just, I don't know, man. That addiction is weird. It's not something I've ever ever felt. You know what I mean? So I don't get it. But obviously we're seeing mass, you know, all these people, you know, and a lot of times people will brush off like people begging for money or something like, oh, they're just drug addicts. But like, a lot of time, no, they've got mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And there's no structure there for them to get help or seek help or find help.
1: A lot of them are veterans who. A lot of them are veterans. Come yeah. Come home and can't cope with society and end up living on the streets because all, one of the re- major reasons is our VAs and it is a complete yeah. mess. Well, and you see, can you imagine living through some of the things they've lived through? Can't couldn't, couldn't no. do it. And thank God that, thank God that those people you know were able to do it, so I didn't have to do right.
0: it. Right. And not everybody's going to handle it the same way. There are people who are veterans who saw and fought and went through horrible things and are like, you know what, I. It sucked. It was rough. It was brutal. Like any adjective I give it are never, and it's never going to justify what it actually was. But some of them either have the coping mechanisms or the men, the men mentality to, to get through normal everyday life. Once they come back, some people don't. And that's just the difference in being people. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those people end up on our streets because they can't operate in normal society.
1: Yeah.
0: So have a little sympathy for one another. And vote for originality. Not vote in literal terms, but go see Jojo Rabbit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, man. Bye. See you.